This is the way to wonder. Welcome to the Money Better Podcast, brought to you by Union Bank and Trust in Lincoln, Nebraska. Get ready for an authentic conversation about how to do money better by making financial decisions that are right for you. Money doesn't have to be a scary topic anymore. Instead, let's get real about the lessons others have learned, then find ways to use those experiences to get it right. I'm your host, Caitlin Moore. Let's chat. Welcome everyone to the Money Better Podcast. This is episode three, season one, and we are talking about benefits and finding a job. We really want to talk to our younger audience, maybe those graduating soon, looking for um, their new job in their career. So today I have Katie Davis. She has been at UBT for 13 and a half years. She's our functional analysis and benefit coordinator. Um, Katie has held several positions at the bank, including starting as a teller, moving up to an assistant branch manager, and then over to HR. So thank you so much for being with us today, Katie. Yes, thank you for having me. Benefits and HR can be really scary conversation to have. And I think those of us who have been in the workforce for a while, benefits is not a new topic. It's something we have to deal with every year. Um, but for people starting out in their careers. It's a hard conversation to have, especially when you're young, because you don't necessarily need all your benefits, but you might one day. So let's talk specifically to yeah. younger folks and let's talk about some of the benefits that tend to get skipped, but you may need later. 401k, start that retirement account early. And even, you know, as, as you're working through college, start saving in, in any capacity. Mm -hmm. um, really start building that up because we know that that growth over time is going to get you that biggest benefit versus waiting until, you know, maybe into your 40s. And now you're kind of playing catch up. If you plan on retiring at that age, you know, 65 or, or 70, you're kind of playing catch up because you missed out. You know, if you enter the workforce in, you know, say at age 25, you've missed out on 15 years of of that investment. Yeah. So your 401k is your retirement plan and not all companies offer yes. it, but one of the perks, if somebody does offer it, is there might be a match. Tell us about that and what to look for when you're looking at your benefits package. Yes, definitely. So with, with that match, that's going to be dollars that your employer is going to contribute on your behalf. So if you put money in, your employer is going to put matching contributions in there for you. Mm -hmm. So that match percentage or match dollar amount is important, but also look at, you know, is there, is there any profit sharing that mm -hmm. the company is also going to give? So, you know, maybe their match isn't, you know, anything to write home about, but historically there's been a 6% profit sharing mm -hmm. put into those retirement accounts too. So, you know, it's, it's not necessarily one benefit when you're looking at your benefits, look at the whole package. Um, and, and that's just talking about the 401k. Um, I know if we're talking to those um, younger um, mm -hmm. folks just entering the workforce, sure, you might not need that those medical benefits because you're not 26 yet. Maybe you have a couple years and mm -hmm. your mom and dad are fine having you on their plan. Don't overlook that medical plan because you don't need it right now because you're going to need it soon enough if you stay with that company. And so mm -hmm. don't overlook the details of it. You might not understand 
everything, but make sure you ask those questions so you can get a good idea of what those insurance benefits are. Also, if you're not paying for your own medical care now, but you will in two, three years, I mean, you're going to take a hit on your paycheck um, when you sign up for those benefits. So it would be good to know ahead of time, what is this going to cost me or ballpark that and plan ahead for that. Yes, definitely. It can be a surprise to folks. A a lot of dental plans, vision plans, um, life insurance, stuff like that. A lot of those plans followed suit when, and just kind of everything went to age 26. And so Mm. you might not need any of that stuff or, or even be thinking about it. Um, Life insurance is one that a lot of younger folks kind of overlook, might not think about because maybe they're not married, they don't have kids, but it's definitely something, you know, if your employer would offer some sort of supplemental policy, um, it might not be a bad idea to take a look at that. Oftentimes you can take advantage of what we call group rates. So you're going to get a lower rate because there's a larger group of employees on that plan. I want to talk about a benefit that I think is really confusing to a lot of folks, no matter what age, and that's HSA and FSA. So what would be the benefit of somebody signing up for an HSA or an FSA? Yeah. So with that HSA, or that is a health savings account, Mm -hmm. the biggest benefit with the HSA and the FSA flexible spending account are the dollars in there are pre-tax dollars. So when you contribute to that account, you're not paying taxes on those dollars. As long as the money coming out in those accounts are used for qualified purchases. In an HSA, that's going to be anything that's related to your medical care, prescriptions, doctor's visits, um, dental care, vision, you know, if you need to get contacts, glasses, something like that. Same with the FSA, very similar rules on qualified disbursements from those accounts. So the main benefit there is having that that be pre-tax dollars. And that's a kind of ballpark anywhere from 25 to 30% savings. If you Mm -hmm. have that money come straight from your paycheck into those accounts, then you're going to use it. Now, one of the biggest things that I see, you know, maybe younger folks do is sure they, they enroll in the medical plan, our, our plan does have an HSA with it. They get, they get an HSA, but they don't contribute anything to that health savings account. And that's perfectly fine. A recent study done in 2019 um, by HealthWise estimated that a couple that is age 65 will spend upwards of $380,000 on their medical expenses in retirement. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> right? Isn't that a crazy number to think yes. of? So when I said with the retirement plan, if you start saving early, start contributing to that, if you can put a little bit into that HSA, those those funds are really going to grow with you. And that could be another potential retirement vehicle for you to use later on down the road. The difference between the HSA and FSA is HSA doesn't have an ending point to it. You could take that into retirement. FSA, you got to use it or you Correct. Lose it. So if you sign up for the HSA, yes, yep. you can move that between employers too. How does that work? Yep, it's very, very similar to a, a rollover uh, with a 401k okay. plan, if you're familiar with that. But what it is, is it's just simply letting the IRS know when you move this money that sure you took it out of point A, you're going to put it in point B or bank B or same funds, mm-hmm. same type of account into a different bank. So like a 401k, you're going to roll your 401k over to your new company. Yep. You can roll your HSA into a new company. Yes. So if you're contributing yes, exactly. at a young age, you could be building up this kind of pseudo retirement plan 
specifically for your healthcare coverages. Yep. Or when you get married and start, start having kiddos or, you know, those expenses are going to, are going to come. I know uh, with my mm -hmm. kiddos, they have helped me reach our full out of pocket maximum for the last <laughs> six years in a row. <laughs> There's also another benefit that I, I know some companies do and they actually give you kind of an added bonus in a sense, and they contribute into your HSA and they give you yes. money into your HSA. Not every company does that, but can you tell me a little bit more about how that works? We refer to those as an employer contribution into your HSA or starter incentive. So a lot of times you'll see that with higher deductible health plans, which is the only way you can have an HSA is with a high deductible health plan, okay. meaning with that health plan, you pay first dollar. So if you go to the doctor and it's $120 for that office visit, you pay $120 up until you reach a certain point, which is your deductible. And you can use that employer contribution for those first dollar expenses. So if you're contributing each paycheck to build up that HSA, mm -hmm. a lot of times employers will do anywhere from a lump sum starter at the beginning of the year. They might do it monthly, um, quarterly, twice a year. It just depends. Mm -hmm. So that's something to think about as you're looking at a new, you know, a new job opportunity is, you know, their overall benefits package and, and what's the employer contribution to some of some of those accounts. So definitely something to ask about when you're looking at your benefits package, especially as a young person who may be getting used to this idea of what benefits are. So that's worth, worth the ask about an HSA opportunity or any employer dollars that might be dropped in there later. Big question I get a lot as a financial coach is, can you negotiate your benefits when you are hired somewhere? And how does that work? And maybe what benefits can you negotiate? Um, more often than not, most benefit plans um, are going to be kind of governed by plan documents. So you are, or the employer is kind of locked into what those say. So you don't can't necessarily negotiate benefits. Your benefits are due after you've been employed for 30 days or the first of the next month or, you know, after six okay. months. However, you can't usually negotiate when those start. Um, but what something you can negotiate usually is your um, pay time off benefits. Not all okay. employers will, will do that. A lot of times people think of their paid time off, not as a necessarily a benefit, like this is just what I get. Okay. But that's something that is always worth asking about, you know, and I would say usually probably after you've been extended, extended the job offer, Okay. Uh, you know, what is your vacation policy? And they've probably already shared that with you, but it never hurts to ask. Maybe they are on an accrual basis. And so you're literally starting out with no vacation. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe the ask is, hey, can I be front loaded five days of vacation to use? So, yeah, so it's definitely worth the ask. Is it appropriate to ask for an extra week of vacation? I would say it's not not inappropriate. Okay. You can always ask. <laughs> Depends on the employer. Um, again, you probably wait until after you've you know, been offered the job. And if you're not going, if pay seems reasonable to you and you're not going to ask for anything else, mm -hmm. ask for an extra week. I mean, the, the worst they're going to tell you is no. Right. <laughs> exactly. So there's benefits and that's various things like your health coverage, dental, life insurance, things like that. But there's also perks. Can we talk about the difference between perks and benefits and maybe how to decipher which one is which when looking at maybe a job description? Yeah. So when you're looking at, you know, a, a 
benefit, think insurance benefits. That's okay. going to be kind of exactly what you said, your medical dental vision, your life, that's your insurance benefits. Um, when you think of some of the the perks, think of those as kind of the, kind of the things that kind of sweeten the deal a little bit. Okay. Um, you know, do they have like a large group, like buying discount program? Like one of the major players out there is a, it's called, it's literally called perks at work and gives you a certain percentage for, for buying different things. You're probably going to buy it anyways, but you essentially buy it through this per- portal and you get a discount on it. Maybe they offer free lunch. One other thing that I think uh, with, you know, the year we've all had last year with 2020 Mm -hmm. is the work from home option. Before 2020, that largely was off the table for, Mm -hmm. I would say, a good number of employers. Mm -hmm. Seeing how quickly employers and employees pivoted to, I mean, we've all probably, most people have probably spent a good year at home. Um, now that we're here into early 2021. And so, you know, that would be a perk that uh-huh. you could certainly ask for. It's it's not necessarily a, a, a have to, but it's it's definitely a perk if if you like working from home. So when we're thinking about our overall job package, and that would include our salary and our benefits and possibly the perks. I think a lot of people tend to think of their job as a salary. It's worth this much because I'm being paid this much. But if we look at our benefits packages, it actually is worth so much more. And not many people really account for that because the employer is putting in so much money for your health benefits, for your life insurance, all those insurance things. And even your perks can, can amount to something, even if it is free lunch. I mean, that's a, that's a cost every day and, um, things like that. And I mean, here at UBT, we have this amazing wellness program that I know a lot of money is put into, but it's for the benefit of us as employees and ultimately our insurance too. Our insurance goes down when employees are healthy. And so when somebody is looking at you know, I'm getting paid this much and they're saying, but it's, it's not enough or it seems low. Should they really be looking at how their benefits package, like financially supports their position also? Yes. Yes. That is a great point you bring up Caitlin, because you're, you're right. Your salary could be maybe on a lower end, but you could have a great benefits package. Perhaps your employer is going to pay all of your, your medical premiums Mm. and you only have to come up with your deductible. Now look at the overall, you know, maybe your salary isn't where you would like it to be, but what are some of the other benefits that you get? You know, do you get to work from home? So you don't necessarily have that commute time. Yeah. Um, Is your employer going to pay your, your medical insurance premiums? Do they, do they have an, an HSA? Do they offer profit sharing and match? There's so many things to think of and you know, instead of just looking at $1 amount, which is your salary, you, you do have to kind of look at the total package. Mm-hmm. Are they offering flexibility? To kind of wrap things up, like I said at the beginning, the HR department of any company can be a very scary place to us who don't work there. Um, and I want to give you all more credibility than I think a lot of people do, because <laughs> I have just found that, um, you know, for our HR department, you all are very helpful over there. And for somebody who's just learning how this process works of benefits enrollment every year, what are you all there for that could benefit us, the everyday worker in the long run? You know, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think most HR departments are there for for everyone. And I think Mm -hmm. if you have a question, even if, 
you know, you don't know who to ask. I would say most HR departments have a a portal, a, a general email, stuff like that mm-hmm. to to send a question to. Even mm-hmm. if you know it's a benefits question and you just had new employee orientation, maybe with the the recruiter who's also in charge of onboarding, mm-hmm. ask them. They're kind of your point in contact and they'll okay. help get you to the to the right person. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing, like you, I'm a question asker. If I don't understand mm-hmm. it, I'm going to ask. But the biggest thing is if you don't understand it, know who your resources are to ask to get that clarification. So the moral of this story is just ask. There's someone there that could point you in the right direction. Don't be afraid of the HR department because that's what they're here for. To close this out, I want to ask a question about open enrollment and timelines. Open enrollment is in the fall, but what happens if I'm turning 26 in the middle of the year? Do I get coverage? Short answer, yes. It, it would okay. fall along the lines of a qualifying event. So um, essentially to enroll mid-year as as either a new hire, your, your plan is going to probably bring you on minus a wait period. You mm-hmm. can enroll in benefits mid-year. Turning 26, you've lost coverage. That's a qualifying event. Most insurance plans are going to allow you to come on mid-year. As a rule of thumb, you have about 30 days from that qualifying event. So the day you lose coverage, you're going to want to make sure that you reach out to your your HR benefits person and have that discussion. Some employer groups have a 60-day deadline. Um, Not many do. So it's important to pay attention to those deadlines because oftentimes the only other time without a qualifying event to come onto the plan is open enrollment. I've seen that time vary. It depends on, you know, who you work for. Some companies have it in the summer. Some people have it in the fall. I did yeah, not know so that. It, it, it all it all depends. Generally, it's gonna be you know every other week communication from your HR team, and just make sure when you see an email from HR, don't just set it aside because you think oh I'll read this when I need it, because if there is one of those deadlines and you miss it, there's often nothing that we can do to go back. So if you're turning 26. You're saying you need to probably contact your HR department <laughs> at least a month before. I mean, it, yeah. you could start about a month before um, sure. to get enrolled if you're going to lose your coverage. Now, if you go from job to job and it's July, you're still eligible minus the waiting period if there is one. So you can hop in on that insurance plan um, mid-year. Yes. But otherwise, unless there's a qualifying reason, which varies, you you will likely have to wait till open enrollment. You got it. Well, is there anything that you would like to add about benefits? I know we didn't go through all of them and what they mean, but for the most part, we went through a lot of them, but is there anything else that you feel is important for um, everyone to know, especially our young folks? Yeah, I just think that it's important for you to engage with your HR team. Um, now that doesn't mean you know, you, you're know you sitting in their office and they're, they're taking time away from your new job, but make sure you engage in your benefits so you know what you have. Um, oftentimes you might not realize how good you have it mm. until it's gone. Engage in that. Make sure you know what you have so you know if, if there's something that comes up and you need it, you have the right coverage for you and, and your family. One of the things that I found the hardest to navigate through was if I could go to urgent care, what urgent care or if I should go to urgent care, the emergency room, all those type of things. Like that was the most confusing sure. part of health benefits as I became an adult and a mom. Um, right. But right. I learned to engage. You just have to ask the question or you call your insurance company, things like that. So you have to sometimes just pick up the phone and, and ask the question. Don't let HR be the, the, the scary people. Uh, we, lo- we love talking to, to everyone. And if you have a question, just ask. 
All right. Well, Katie, thanks so much for your time and your knowledge and your wisdom. I know that I have learned a lot from you along the way since I started at UBT a couple of years ago, and I will continue to ask questions as they arise. So thank you so much for your time and joining us on Money Better. Yes. Thanks for having me. These are the words we say. In each Money Better episode, we highlight a community partner that is doing money better. Whether it is a nonprofit, a customer, or an expert in the field, our goal is to learn from their strengths and introduce you to resources that can help you do money better too. Featuring these people and organizations through our podcast is just a small part of UBT's larger mission to elevate the communities we serve. Well, welcome everyone. I am here for our community partner segment and we have Tracy Lundgren. She is the director of university career services at UNL here in Lincoln, Nebraska. She has been at her job for five years and has been in higher education for 20 plus years. She has her master's in counseling and student affairs and helps develop students on their way out the door and into their new careers. And that's what we're going to talk about today is how we develop younger folks into their careers, how do we choose the right career? What are we looking for? Especially now with um, COVID, we haven't been able to get out there and network. So how do we do that? So we're going to hit all of these points today, but I want to welcome Tracy. Thank you for being with us on our Money Better podcast here at UBG. Thank you so much for having me. What exactly do you do at UNL? My job has changed a little bit over the, over the past five years. Um, but when I was hired, I was hired as a as a career coach. And so I still very much identify with that role. I don't think I'll ever be able to shake the role of a career coach. And, uh, and to be honest, uh, looking back at my past, I can I, I wanted to be a career coach. Uh, I didn't know I wanted to be that when I was younger, but I, I'd been preparing to be that all my life. What is a career so, coach? For those of us who have yeah. no idea. Yeah, career coaches are, are folks that um, have kind of a, a unique specialization in understanding um, all of the different career and options. And, the, and we don't know all of them, but we have access and tools and resources that can help us access what um, is out there in terms of career options. Mm -hmm. And then we also have a background in like advising or education or counseling or training that we're able to do some good, some interviewing of our clients or our students to help increase their awareness. And then also uh, help them understand themselves better, help uh, go looking for the matches in, in, the, in the labor market for, mm -hmm. for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm help them understand. And then also we help them prepare themselves for those opportunities. So if they, if they start to think about something that they really want to do, we help them plan, how can they get to that goal? And then also how can they position and sell themselves and sell their unique skills, sell their experience toward that position or that career field? So to recap what you're saying, you're working with students that are walking out the door at graduation and they all have this major under their belt that they're graduating with. And they probably have some idea of what they wanted to do, uh, but they may not know how to get there or if it's the right thing for them because now they've gone through four years of education and some of them are probably questioning, why did I do this? Or yikes, is this really what I want to do? Um, and so it's your job and your team's job to kind of help them get to know themselves a little bit better, make connections, and really figure out the career field that they they really truly would fit into. To be honest, career development is, it's a, it's a spectrum. 
-hmm. And so if you think about your first, maybe your first couple of years of, of, uh, attending college, mm-hmm. you're still trying to even figure out what major, not that doesn't, yeah. all students are doing that. So we work with them at all different, different phases of their career development. Okay. That's awesome. Because if you're working with them in the beginning, they have time to change their major, right? <laughs> all the time. Yes. Oh man. Where were you when I was in college? <laughs> Exactly. Well, this is awesome. So there has to be some sort of step process or process that you put people through to kind of, to kind of shell this out over the four year period that they're working with you or even a short period of time. What is the process that you would take a student through to kind of get to know themselves and then the career path that they might be really good at? So with a student that's trying to figure out their major, let's just start there. Okay. Uh, we really want to get to know them. We want to get to know their um, interests. Like, tell me some things that you've thought about before. Tell me some people that you like, just simple <laughs> questions. What are some things that you've been thinking about? We have a mind map that we will have them draw on. Uh, a mind map is just something to help them start thinking about the different ideas that they've had. Cause we want to look at patterns. Hmm. something in counseling that, you know, that sometimes we're the forest and the tree, we don't know that, that we're even, that there's, that those are connected. So sometimes mm. you need somebody to help you make those connections. Awesome. So we do activities like that just because it really helps students feel more comfortable. It gets them thinking about this. Cause mm-hmm. sometimes when you come into a process that, that way you're anxious, you're down on yourself because mm-hmm. you don't have it figured out. So mm-hmm. a lot of times it's just helping them completely reset feel comfortable and let, like, let's start at the foundation. So do you find that new freshmen coming in there? I mean, we're 18, 19 years old when we're walking in the door, I would expect that not a lot of 18, 19 year olds really know themselves. This is the first time away from their parents, they're learning independence as a whole. So do you feel like this kind of career services not only helps like the career part, but also just kind of honing in who you are. Yes. I think that's an, that's an interesting evolution with each individual. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on so many different factors. If they're doing, if they're kind of coming into kind of feeling pressure, uh, sometimes that pressure is a hundred percent on themselves, them putting pressure on themselves. Yeah. Sometimes they're feeling pressure from their family. Sometimes they've declared what they want to do. So like this really happens with our pre pre-health and pre-med mm-hmm pre-law students, they've, they've said, I'm going to come in and be a lawyer or whatnot. And then something just doesn't fit. And -hmm. it's really hard for them to let go of that potential identity because they've kind of declared it. It's an interesting process of how they personally develop throughout Mm -hmm. college. Mm -hmm. um, And then also how their career development is kind of wrapped into that. So it's really interesting. That's why yeah, I'll bet. sometimes the, uh, the exploration advising takes a pretty high skill in terms of advising and counseling because mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of having to get in there and, yeah. and unravel some of that. Yeah, I love this. So my master's is in human behavior. So I love to learn yeah. about why people do the things that they do. I wish I could be a fly on the wall as you get to know students and just sure. as they come into like this conclusion of like, oh, I am that person. I am, this is a strength of mine is something I enjoy. So what are some other steps as far as the, the process? What does that look like? So you're looking at their strengths, who they are. So there's questionnaires, there's a lot of interviewing. What, what else? As a, as a human behavior nerd, I think you're going to like this. <laughs> something that's really important in the early exploration phase, I think with students and, and clients or people mm-hmm. humans is the validation of. 
And so we have some theories that we'll use, like my team, uh, especially when we're working with exploring students, we, we work a lot with the Holland theory. It's six, uh, six codes that are typology um, that we help describe if we're starting to see strong interests in, in one of those um, six codes or two okay. of those. So it really helps the students see themselves and, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's a, it's a really positive way to say, I am that I'm feeling that, or, mm-hmm. you know, okay, now I feel like I've been validated for those traits. Now yes. I have that ability to now go look at the, the things that you're suggesting. Cause if we just started throwing ideas out of the hat without a little bit of a validator and some theory and something that, that added more context of credibility, I think they would just be like, this lady is like coming to a fortune teller. Yeah, exactly. Do you base this for what she's throwing at me? Yes. Do you do assessments like Myers-Briggs or Enneagram or anything like that? Um, we haven't done the Enneagram. We do, uh, we're a big strengths campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all, a lot of our students take strengths and, and we mm-hmm. have some, some skill in, in strength-based coaching. Mm-hmm. We use a lot of Holland-based theory okay. and, and most of, most career assessments are Holland-based, um, okay. a theory that's really integrated in, in, within their, uh, within the computerized assessment or the online assessment. Gotcha. Too. I'll have to look more into that. Cause when you say codes, I think Enneagram And I'll say when I was going through my own kind of self process, talk about validation. I thought I was a siloed individual on this planet. And then suddenly I go, oh, I'm not crazy. (laughs) And and I have to like, there was so much confidence in knowing that, oh, I can be identified and I can be heard and validated in my own thoughts and in strengths and stuff. It was such a like relieving process that I'm sure these types of of assessments can really give some insight, especially to younger folks, but I'm walking into a career field that I, you know, knock on wood, it's going to work out for me. (laughs) So going back to the steps. So we've got kind of learning about yourself and then the Holland, what else do you do as a coach to help? Yeah. The way, the way my team and I think about it uh, is through kind of four, four areas or four learning kind of learning objectives. So the first one is that exploration and discovery that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. The next one is gaining experience and building skills. Okay. So we want students to, like, even with the, their part-time jobs, um, even when they're doing, uh, when they're getting involved in student organizations, anything that they're doing, they're building skills. Mm-hmm. And so we want them to continue to build skills, uh, specifically transferable skills. Um, but we also want them to get more strategic as they start to figure out the areas that they're interested in. Let's be more strategic about the way you're gaining experience and what you're applying for and applying for more relevant experience to help you test the field. Am I going to like this? Mm -hmm. But also then start gaining. Once you do that, you're going to start gaining more connections in that field that are going to help you get a job later or get more feedback or mentorship in that field. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then just getting more experience in that field that's going to make you competitive. So that's a critical stage. So somebody, somebody finds out they're super good at math. They enjoy it. They're like, I really just want to be like a banker or a loan officer. I want to make some money. Your suggestion probably be, well, go be a teller, like go get a part-time job at a bank, go be a teller, get in the bank, see if you even like the environment, but you're also building up some skill in the bank that could be transferable later into the career field that you feel like you want to go into. Go, go get a bank job 
join the banking student organization, take a banking class. <laughs> There's a lot of different ways that we can help them figure out um, how to explore that. So even if they couldn't be a teller, mm-hmm. there are other ways that they could explore banking. Um, awesome. And you'll help them get connected with that. Yeah. Now okay. we will coach them. So I think one of the, th- one of, and I think you and I chatted a little bit about this. It, it's, you know, I, it's not like I have this like Rolodex in my office right. that says, oh, you want to go into banking? Boop. You know, here's what <laughs> we call, I will coach you on who to, you know, who's in your network. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about who's a warm contact for you to start with um, in connecting, or we'll go to LinkedIn and we'll start searching and, and I'll, I'll kind of walk you through the process of how to reach out to somebody or call somebody, cold call them. And ask them if you can interview hot topic. So I'm an introvert. I do. I do have a lot of extrovert in me, but as an introvert, a true introvert, say I'm 19 years old, you're asking me to cold call someone or make a connection with someone. And I, I want to have a panic attack and cry. So how do you, how do you help me with that? Because that sounds terrifying. How do you help me with that? Oh, and especially for our students today, because they all, most of them grew up with, with the phone. It's a challenging process. We have to walk through, like a lot of times we have to explain why this is a critical step and why this matters. So they can kind of buy into the reason of, of why this is important. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it if I don't feel like there's a real benefit, you know, what's the, you know, human behavior. What's the, Mm -hmm. why do I have to do this? Mm-hmm. Two, we have some um, questions, like we have some resources about the questions that they can ask. We have resources on how to structure an informational interview and like what, you know, what the first part should look like, what the second, what are they, what is the objective that they're really trying to, to achieve? Um, we have some resources of how they can um, conceptualize what needs to take place during that meeting. We want you to connect with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if that person's in your, in your network, it's somebody that you might be able to, you know, also share information with off, offer valuable things back to that person, mm-hmm. like anybody in a professional connection, but also somebody you could ask questions to mm-hmm. or advice to, or, and then if you're doing that, and uh, it comes up for that you're looking for jobs in a year or two, there's somebody you could say, hey, I'm job searching. You know, would you take a look at my resume? Mm. Would can you think about some other people I could talk to? And they can yeah. help connect you to other people in that field. Interesting. So it's not just cold calling a random person. It's someone within the field, oh, asking yeah. them some structured questions about their field, yes. interviewing them as a person, kind of the idea of like, yes. why are you there? <laughs> why do you like your job? You know, why Absolutely. anything like that. So I have a, I have a fun story to share on that because as an introvert, um, I, I think deeply on those things about like, this is where I want to be. But as an extrovert, I'm the one that if I'm in a room of successful people, I find the most successful person in the room and I walk up to them and I say, how'd you get there? What do I have to do? Um, Like, what's your degree? What, what's your experience? How long have you been there? And I just ask questions because it's not necessarily the networking, but it's like, if somebody is doing something you want to do, 
why not ask them how they got there? And so I was in a meeting with someone and I won't tell all the details of it, but I was in a meeting with somebody um, for another position that I had at the bank. And I was just talking to them about the subject matter. And I eventually, this was the first time I met them. And I eventually looked at them and I said, what do you do here? I had no idea. (laughs) And they said, I'm the CEO. (laughs) And I started laughing and I said, Oh, okay. Well, since you're here, can I ask you a couple of questions? I had no idea that I was talking to the CEO of this company. And so I just, I just started asking questions, you know, how long they had been there, um, what got them there, what was interesting, but also when you're hiring, what are you looking for when you're hiring? So if I'm sitting in front of you, what do you want to hear out of my mouth to make you hire me? And I asked those questions. I got, oh my gosh, it was like the best conversation I've ever had with somebody randomly like that. And I got so much insight, but we also have this connection now because it was such an informal conversation, but on such an important topic and people love to answer questions about themselves. And so me sitting there asking her, I'm sure it made her day just to be like, Oh, I get to talk about myself today. And I just, I found that so helpful. And it has just kind of pushed me to do that more and more because it was so successful. And I'm guessing that that's what you're asking people to do. Yeah. You described it so well. And actually I think introverts in this way, because you introverts typically like deeper one-to-one conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you're well positioned for these, these conversations. Okay. Introverts unite. Don't worry. You'll be okay. (laughs) And I actually use that a lot when I tell them that, and I try to reinforce that strength in them. Mm. And I, awesome. Fellow extroverts, I have to say, this is your time for depth here. You know, don't talk too much about yourself. Come in and this is the time for you to ask questions and learn about someone else and to really develop in order to develop a connection. You must ask those questions Mm -hmm. and, and, and really listen, actively listen, Mm -hmm. and then take a follow-up from what they're saying. So as people are walking out the door at graduation, what else would you kind of help them do as far as their career connections? One of the things that I'm just innately aware of now is just the stress and the anxiety of searching for a job mm-hmm. and the, the potential rejection that mm-hmm. comes with that. And so, you know, helping them get a good mindset, create a, a strong mindset around the process helping them stay positive and curious, Mm -hmm. but also kind of laying out a job search plan. Okay. So, you know, some of the components of a job search plan is just making sure that they have a very strong resume. They are positioned well, that they have a pretty, you know, they have some strong ideas of where they, what types of positions they want to search for. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not to say that there couldn't be a surprise or two, but just that because we want that resume and that cover letter to be really tailored mm-hmm. uh, to those, to the type of jobs that they're looking for, because it's tailored, then they can be more strategic about informational interviewing and cultivating a network to help them, you know, get, get leads or connect with folks that, um, are in companies or fields that they want to, to be considering or to be considered for also setting expectations. I think even before COVID, depending on your field, it it can take six to nine months to get your first position. Oh my gosh. On your field, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're in, in, in tech, you often have multiple offers Mm -hmm. before that's not the experience for most students. Mm -hmm. And sometimes students next step is graduate school. So helping them prepare for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually, if you go to our career outcomes, you know, a a huge percentage of students 
um, actually their next step is continuing education. So mm -hmm. it may not even be the job search field, but they are preparing for something mm -hmm. and help prepare and, and kind of tailor in on what that's going to take. Interesting. And there's a lot of rejection in this. This is going to happen. And a lot of times people aren't going to get back to you and you can't just sit and wait. We have to continue to move on and move forward right. and look for the next one and the next one and the, and the next one. So I have a follow-up question with rejection. I've heard a lot in the past about asking for feedback when you're rejected from a job. Is that something you would encourage to go back to that employer and say, could you give me a little feedback on why you didn't hire me? How do you appropriately have that conversation if you do? I think um, you could ask for feedback if you were one of the finalists for an interview. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't get the job, um, you could always say, is there something I could have, you know, that I could do to strengthen my application or my interview, I would love the feedback because I'm, I'm really committed to getting a job in this field. Okay. Some, does that make sense? So I would yes. come off really positive. This would, this feedback would really help me present myself um, even, even better. Before we close, one of the things that I think we've talked about, and as I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking, you know, I'm in my mid thirties. But this is so applicable to me. This can be applicable to me if I am looking for a new career field, which I'm not. But <laughs> um, so you're working with students, college students. But how do you how what would you say to the, you know, the person in their you know midlife just wanting to switch careers? Honestly, the, the process is so similar for any, anybody that wants to make a change or pivot into something new or wants to recreate themselves, mm -hmm. a COVID recreation, if you will, <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of those. Um, the process is really similar. The same rules apply though. Get to know yourself and your yeah. strengths. Look That's at what you process of getting yes, to know. Yourself it really is, especially in just as life changes, you get to know yourself in a different way, but get to know the skills. What have you done? Assess what you have done, what skills you're bringing to the table, and then go out there and talk to someone in the field, like test the waters, whether it's through informational interviewing, interning, part-time gigs, something like that. You'd say just, as you've said to me before, you said immerse yourself in the field that you want to be in to find out if it's really where you should be. You can, we can only research so much. We can never really get the feeling and the, mm -hmm. and the connection and the vibe of what it would be like to be in that space until we immerse ourselves in mm -hmm. it. Last question for you. I hear this all the time. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Do you feel like that's a true statement for 2021? Yes, but in the spirit of uh, equity and access, um, there are people out there like me, a lot of career boosters and connectors that will help you connect to the, to people okay. and people are innately great. And so, um, I think it's a matter of us coaching you on how to, how to find these people for you. Great books out there on weak ties and strong ties and, and assessing your network, even just within your own family or mm -hmm. even your own friends there, you mm -hmm. could find many, many connections through those, those folks. You have a fascinating job. I would <laughs> love to hear more someday and have you back and pick your brain about things. So thank you, Tracy, for being on Money Better today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks. 
Union Bank and Trust financial literacy materials, articles, guides, blogs, podcasts, and videos are for informational purposes only and not an advertisement for product or service. The accuracy and completeness is not guaranteed and does not constitute legal or tax advice. Please consult with your own tax, legal, and financial advisors. Member FDIC.